0: It's one thing to think, I'm going to die for this. I'm willing to die for this. And it's another thing to be so sure in your faith that when faced with death, that you're unfazed. And now for the case for the resurrection of Christ. Greetings, everybody. I vastly overestimated how much work I could get done in a car ride, but, (laughs) amen, anyways. Firstly, I'm about to say something super heretical, amen? So what if, just hear me out here for this initial part, what if the resurrection never happened? What if it was just a legend? You know, many religions before claimed to have a resurrection of some point. What if it was just embellishments over time, them trying to make their leader seem greater? What if it was just a non-historical genre? You know, Jesus always spoke in fables and parables and his resurrection was one of them too. What if it was fraudulent, that the disciples lied or stole the body or weirdly enough, somebody else entirely did it? What if it was just martyrdom? That martyrdom doesn't make a belief true because there are martyrs for Allah, martyrs for communism, martyrs for Christ, but that doesn't make any of them true. What if the only reason that they claimed the tomb was empty was because they were at the wrong tomb? What if perhaps Jesus never died at all? It just appeared that way on the cross. What if it was just psychological things? They were living in delusion, looking at hallucinations. What if Paul was simply guilty? He desired power. He merely had an epiphany. And not only that, but what if the differences in the gospel make the whole thing dubious? What if the authors just had biases and us having so few sources about an individual who was supposedly the Messiah is insane? And shoot, for all we know, Jesus could have been an alien and it was simply superior science, not a God at all. So yesterday I read a book. And that book was called The Case for the Resurrection of Christ. And when I read that book, you know, I was thinking, you know, I may be in the midst of finals. I may not have a lot of time right now, but tomorrow I'm going to preach on that book. (laughs) So today I'll be talking about the case for the resurrection of Christ, not about the inerrancy of Scripture, not about anything else, but the resurrection of Christ. Now, before I get into the evidence, you may be wondering, well, why are you even talking about this? There's so many other things in the Bible that you could be discussing. Instead of talking about why the resurrection occurred, you could be talking about why it matters. Well, this is a little bit of apologetics. You see, in religions versus say secular worldviews, there's usually that standard clash of creation accounts. Was it the big bang? Was it an intelligent creator? And if it was an intelligent creator, how do you know that it was your God, right? And then you go to Christianity, and the single account that matters most, if we can prove this true, and forget about everything else, we need to focus on this, is the resurrection. Now, of course, as mentioned in the past, for history, you don't prove things true. You can hardly prove anything is true. I was looking at a video the other day, and it was a group of individuals, they were in a meeting, they thought it was close-knit, you know, nobody was recording, somebody had a spy camera on. And an individual unironically said, you know, here, we don't believe that slavery actually happened. You know, as a matter of fact, I knew a few slaves and they said they actually had a good time. You have individuals who will say the moon landing is fake, even though we have it on video. You have individuals who will say that the earth is flat, even though again, you can see that too. You have individuals who are mathematicians. People usually say that math is the universal language. You can't lie with math. And they'll take two plus two and somehow get three. You can hardly prove anything. But when looking at history, you want to look at what makes something reliably true. I can believe that most likely this is the case. So when looking at the resurrection, you may then additionally be wondering, well, why are you picking this particular proof? You know, the New Testament has a lot of information. And while you could try and prove little bits and pieces, again, our faith is contingent on the resurrection. If Jesus did not die and come back again, he was just a man who had some deep teaching. But because of the resurrection, we have proof in his power over death. And you may be wondering, well, pastor, we already know this. I'll be honest with you. In recent history, I've asked a few people, why are you Christian? And I usually hear one of three answers. None of them are universally good. I'll explain why at the end. One, I just choose Christianity. Two, well, it works for me, personal experience. And three, I was just raised this way. Now, firstly, I wanna tell you a story to depict why this isn't necessarily a good thing. You have a smoker, he lives in his apartment and outside his window is a flickering lamplight. One night he decides, you know what, that lamp is God. And every time that he smokes a cigarette, that lamplight flickers off. And it happens for long enough that he looks and sees and he decides, you know what, my God is telling me to stop smoking. And he undergoes that arduous process of ceasing to smoke. He succeeds and he starts to see these benefits of no longer smoking and he looks back outside and he decides, you know, on the basis of personal experience, this works for me because of this here happening in my life. That must be God. That man goes on to have kids still in the same apartment. Why would he move? He's right next door to his God and he raises his kids. You know that lamp out there, kids? That's God. Those kids, they don't don't question it. You know, that's their dad. They can trust it. That must be God. Those kids' friends come over. They've never heard of this before. You know, they ask the kids, why do y'all think this lamp is God? <laughs> I don't know. I was just raised this way. Those three reasons don't really work because for every religion and every God an individual may serve. Logically, that man who says that lamp is God is just as justified as a Christian who says that Christ is the Messiah on the basis of, I just choose Christianity. It works for me. or I was just raised this way. And don't get me wrong, just like in math, you can get the right answer with the wrong formula. But at the same time, we're going to try and teach you the best way to get there. So jumping into some of the evidences, because again, nothing can be proven, but these are generally agreed upon by historians. We see, firstly, that Jesus did die by crucifixion. There is about no question from scholars that Jesus, again, died by crucifixion. Now, the first point is that it was reported in all four Gospels. And you may think, George, that's circular logic. You can't use the Bible to prove the Bible. The Bible is a historical text, (laughs) y'all. It is a historical text. Even though we look at it as a religious document, these individuals were reporting what they saw. We have a myriad of eyewitnesses and we can't just ignore the Bible, but it goes beyond the Bible. We have non-Christian sources who report it. We have Josephus. We have Tacitus. We have Lucian. We have Mara Bar Serapion. In a letter at the British Museum, there's a myriad of sources that back it up, right? We don't doubt that Jesus died via crucifixion. Now, additionally, we know that the disciples believe that Jesus died via crucifixion. On one hand, they wrote about it. So, duh. And additionally, they lived it to the point of martyrdom. You see, in modern day America, Christianity is popular because so many people believe it. They were establishing it. They were at the foundation whenever officials didn't really want another religion in the picture. They didn't want a messiah in the picture because as far as they were concerned, that emperor over there, Emperor Caesar, he's the highest authority. But you see, they claimed it and they truly believed it and we had some sudden conversions. You had individuals such as Paul or even James, the brother of Jesus. They were skeptics. They didn't have incentive to claim that Jesus rose from the grave. I mean, of course, we all know Paul. He was persecuting Christians, persecuting the followers. And not only did they have a claimed conversion, they died via martyrdom as well. It's acknowledged by the apostolic fathers. And again, well, it's a religious authority. It's not circular logic, y'all. <laughs> Believe me here, if you were to witness a resurrection, would you not think that man had some sense? And if you were then to witness the resurrection and you write about that resurrection and you have reverence in your words, of course, people are gonna look at it and think it looks religious. They saw it, they lived it. And thus, of course, they believed it. So it's not just religious sources. We see it in early Christian creeds, we see it in oral tradition, we see it everywhere. We know that these disciples truly believed what they saw. And continuing on, again, we saw reports of their transformation. We have individuals such as Clement of Rome. He was a contemporary of the apostles. He reported the sufferings and the deaths of apostles Peter and Paul. We have Igneous, who likely knew the apostles. He reported that the disciples were so encouraged by seeing and touching the risen Jesus, they were unaffected by the fear of martyrdom. Now, you know, that's some serious faith. You know, it's one thing to think, I'm going to die for this. I'm willing to die for this. And it's another thing to be so sure in your faith. That when faced with death, likely torture before it, that you're unfazed. To know that there is something after this. You killing me is just liberating me from being here. I get to go someplace better. I'm going to still preach this message. And you know, back then, what they would do in regards to the torture as well is they would offer them an opportunity to renege their statement. All right, so you say Jesus isn't the Messiah, we'll let you go. You know, you see it in the Bible. Whenever they kept asking Jesus, are you really the son of man? He had several opportunities to renege. And if he did, we'll let you go. He's not violating the law. But these individuals were willing, yearning and unfazed to die for Christ. Mm. Continuing on, we see that their importance, we see that the willingness of the apostles to suffer and die for the testimony of the risen Jesus is evidence of their sincerity. There's a saying, and that's that liars don't make good martyrs. (laughs) Continuing on, another evidence that we have is the empty tomb. Simply put, Roman authorities should have been able to bring up a corpse if the tomb wasn't empty. They would have had every reason to, even if they just fabricated a corpse. Because though the individuals who were there and they saw Jesus, of course, they wouldn't have been phased. But how about newer believers? Anybody? They could have made at least, you know, one, ten, a handful of people fallen just by bringing up a corpse. They could have denied claims of divinity just by bringing up a corpse, even though, again, it could have been refuted. That's not Jesus. But they didn't do any of that. Instead, what they did was they actually claimed that the disciples had stolen the corpse. We see this in Matthew 28, 12 through 13. It reads a meeting with the elders was called and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole the body. We see various secular writings that show us that it was pretty likely that these individuals were even implicitly saying that there wasn't a body there. From Tertullian, from Calut, these names are hard to pronounce, I'm not going to lie to (laughs) y'all. From Trifo, from Justin the Martyr, they indirectly affirmed an empty tomb. And they would not have claimed that if the body was still there. And then additionally, the first testimony was from women. And that may sound like really regular today, y'all, but they were super sexist back then. And you know, there's this idea that when reporting history, if an individual is not honest, they'll wanna make themselves look as good as possible. They'll wanna make the claim look as reliable as possible. And you see, because of how sexist they were back then, One thing they surely would not have done was have a woman make the first report. (laughs) There is evidence in what you would call embarrassment, as it would have actually taken away from the validity of the claim in the eyes of the people back then. I guess good news for them was they got to see it as well. So it didn't take away too much, but it helps us today. And continuing on, even the rise of Christianity is evidence. This happened in Jerusalem, (laughs) y'all. This is the home of the Jews. And they would not have allowed for this new religion that claims to be building upon theirs, that claims to have the Messiah that fulfills their prophecies, to rise up from their homeland. If something may not actually happen, <laughs> they would have had every incentive to quell it. But they couldn't because it did happen. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Historically speaking, they didn't. And thus, it most likely did happen. I was talking a little religiously there, y'all. Forgive me. <laughs> And in addressing the things that I stated at the very beginning of the sermon, I'm gonna just fly by them real quickly. Firstly, we have, it's just a legend. Well, it traces back to the disciples. We know it couldn't have developed after. It's non-historical. Well, Paul was a skeptic. He wouldn't have had any reason to write fiction about the man whose disciples he was, well, attacking, killing. And even though fables did exist back then, so too did historical literature. So we have no reason to assume that just because fables existed that this was clearly a fable. How about other religions? Well, other religions, their resurrection stories are actually really vague. If you read the ones that precede Christ, super vague, whether it's rising to heaven on a flaming Pegasus from Hercules, they don't parallel Christ. And the first resurrection story that seems similar to it didn't come until 100 AD. Continuing on, we have fraud. Well, fraud doesn't explain the disciples' strong belief. Again, liars don't make good martyrs. (laughs) If your life is on the line, all you have to do is tell the truth. We'll let you go. How big would that lie have to be that you wouldn't just tell the truth? (laughs) It's not like they were profiting off of this. Again, the early Christian movement, they were poor. They were living hand-to-mouth salaries. Lord, give us this day our daily bread that we may eat. It's not like they were profiting. It's not like they had fame for real. Because any time an individual was trying to give them credit, directed it back to Jesus. Their sincerity could not be questioned. And for fraud number two, well, even if someone else had taken the body, Paul and James, their whole conversion wouldn't really made sense. The empty tomb actually only convinced John, And even with a supposedly fraudulent two, the appearances that the disciples claim to have, you know, seeing Jesus post-mortem, wouldn't be dealt with. Continuing on, even if this was true, it would only question the one evidence of an empty tomb. It does not disvalidate at all. Continuing on about wrong tomb theory doesn't change appearances. The empty tomb, again, only convinced John. There were no sources that stated they went to the wrong tomb, and there's quite a few sources, y'all. I'll get to that in a little bit, though. And the burial was by Joseph of Arimathea, which indicated this tomb was well-known. You have an individual whom most people know, and he says, you know what, I'm gonna bury him in my tomb. I don't think it's hard to miss that. (laughs) Continuing on about apparent death. Firstly, Romans did crucifixions consistently. Like, it was nothing new. This wasn't a new killing method that they invented for Jesus alone. What does this mean? This means that the Roman soldiers knew when Jesus was dead. It wasn't a matter of, uh, do we wait five more minutes? No, they knew when he was dead. As a matter of fact, whenever they stabbed him with the spear, he had likely been dead for quite a while. The reason being, he bled blood and water. And for those of you who don't know, whenever a corpse is newly dead, it doesn't bleed. It takes at least an hour for it to reach a state before it bleeds again. So he had been done for a while. Additionally, Gemma, a source from 32186, stated it is impossible considering the pathological effects of scourging and crucifixion. Asphyxiation generally is believed to be the cause of the death with crucifixion. I would go into depth about what the crucifixion looks like, but that's a grim topic. It's not what I'm talking about here. Continuing on hallucinations. Y'all know that hallucinations are like individual experiences, right? Even if a group of individuals are on psychedelics, they're not going to share the same hallucinations. (laughs) Continuing on, there were too many variances and incidences. It included men and women. It was seen by individuals and groups. It was attested by friend and foe, hard-headed Peter and soft-hearted Mary Magdalene. It was indoors and outdoors, seen not once but many times over a period of 40 days. You got to stretch that. (laughs) Hallucinations is not a likely reason. And delusion, it doesn't explain an empty tomb. It doesn't explain Paul or James to likely be affected. Conversion disorder would have only applied to Paul. It doesn't account for appearances, James, or an empty tomb. Plus, it would have required for Paul to not only have conversion disorder, but to also experience visual and auditory hallucinations, as well as a Messiah complex. Paul's guilt, I just want to read a Bible verse for y'all. Philippians 3 verses 5 through 6 about Paul read, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I'm going to just ask y'all. You don't have to answer. But does that sound like a guilty man to y'all? Does that sound like a man who was doing what he did and he didn't think he was right? That like, sound like a proud man to me. That sounds like a man who looked back and yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that. Paul was not guilty <laughs> for power. Christianity, it wasn't popular again. Paul was a Roman citizen. If he wanted power, he would have been a Roman official. If he wanted religious power, he would have went with the more established religion. He was already in it. He could have just kept walking through it. And in regards to epiphany, again, does not account for appearances, for an empty tomb, for etc. And if you try and make an argument, well, you just have to combine them. You know, this attacks the empty tomb. This attacks hallucinations. This attacks appearances. This attacks their sincerity. Here's the issue. The issue is, if you make a combination, if one part falls apart, all of it does. You see, none of these stand on their own. They surely do not stand together, okay? And for bias, Paul and James were the opposite. They were skeptics. They were biased against Jesus, not for Jesus. And lastly, for few documents. Now, this occurred two millennia ago. Documents don't tend to last for two millennia. But even still, today, we know of 42 authors that mention Jesus within 150 years of his life. Now, for comparison, Caesar, who was the emperor at the time, just like guess in your head, how many authors do you think we know wrote about Caesar within 150 years of his life? Lock in your answer, 10. It was 45 to 10. From Jesus, you know, this unknown Messiah to the Roman emperor. We have a lot of documents, y'all, at least relative to the history. And so in conclusion, I'ma bring it all around. We see that the resurrection was likely to have occurred historically. We can't prove anything to be absolutely true, not even two plus two. But we know that it likely occurred. And we can ask ourselves, well, what do we do with this information? Even if we know that it likely occurred, so what? So we can be secure in our faith. As First Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. We see that having this is a tool. God didn't make mistakes. God didn't allow for us to have so much evidence for us to not use it. When we go on neutral grounds, I want you to tell me why you believe in Christianity and don't tell me your life story. Well, actually, it's it's because the resurrection is likely to be a factual event. Even if we only look at secular sources, we have much reason to believe that Christ was crucified and at the very least his tomb was empty and his followers believed what they saw. We have several individuals who attest for this, even individuals who would not have the bias to do so. So, yes, that's why I'm a Christian. (laughs) And in closing, I'm going to just read one last Bible verse. First Peter 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled "The Case for the Resurrection of Christ" by George Bronner. This message is number four one two one. That's four one two one. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number four one two one to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothers of the word.com often because, brother, you need a word. A of the word.